I can bring you in warm, or I can bring you in cold. This is where the fun begins. Hello everyone, and welcome back to Jedi Knights, the official Star Wars podcast of Joy Clicks. I'm your host today, Christian Buckley, joined as always by my Chewy, Mike Connors. How are you? I'm doing awesome, man. Uh, we have some fun Star Wars stuff to talk about today. Uh, we were talking before the pod how it's more it's more fun than serious, but uh, that's what we like here at Jedi Knights. Uh, oh, yeah. Sometimes we like to we like to take a break from the seriousness. Sometimes, mm. I mean, <laughs> honestly, I think maybe it's just because Star Wars. Like, I I don't want to speak for you, but I feel like we're on the same page. Where there's nothing in Star Wars that we actively hate right like most of my disdain for star wars comes from the fandom not necessarily the content <laughs> you know? definitely yeah yeah i mean i think that you know when it comes to you and i and the way that we approach star wars it's definitely much different than what the hive mind um <laughs> likes to likes to do on online mm-hmm. so i'd say that you and i are probably more of the optimistic star wars fans um, out out there out there but um yeah there's nothing there's nothing that i hate and i just love seeing new star wars stuff um just makes me happy from very very visceral and and child level so (laughs) yeah well to to pour a quick uh bucket of water on that flame of warm feelings uh i'm sure you saw (laughs) at some reason this weekend the last jedi got trending again uh, five years later, right? <laughs> Four. I didn't see it. What was it trending for? Uh, all the negative reasons, though. It was some guy who's verified on Twitter that I've never fucking heard of. He was like, "This is a this movie's abysmal," and I, the fact that they burned the Jedi text because they weren't page turners. It's like, bro, they didn't burn him. Like, did you watch the movie? Did Did you watch yeah. it? <laughs> did definitely did not watch the movie. Uh, it's really funny to me how some people like you said, yeah. what is it, like five years later, that are just like completely insufferable about it. Yeah. And honestly, that dude probably should have tweeted that out when the movie came out. <laughs> Old news, bro. Yeah. Well, uh, I love The Last Jedi. I know you've warmed up to it, but that is not the focus of conversation today. Today, we got some exciting things to go over. But before we get into it, here for episode 92, why don't we kick off with From the Jedi Archives, our segment where we pull from the sacred text of wikipedia to educate each other and the audience on a piece of star wars canon or legends mike what did you pick this week so i picked the hcvwa9 turbo tank yes that's right uh that that you know we all know exactly what i'm talking about of course just from that of course (laughs) but for for those that aren't on our level what is that (laughs) (laughs) joking uh so it's a model of large 10 wheeled it's a it's a large 10-wheeled tank used by the Galactic Empire, uh, part of Quat Drive Yard's line of armored wheeled combat vehicles. It acted as a troop carrier and a transport. We see this in the Bad Batch, um, and it almost sort of looks like the transport tank that they used uh, in the Bill Burr episode of season two of The Mandalorian. That's where my mind went, yeah. Yeah, so I I guess it's not the same. Maybe it's just like a different model, but it looks pretty pretty similar. Mm -hmm. Um, Though I did get this from the Bad Batch drop-down menu on Wikipedia as like one of the vehicles in the Bad Batch, so it's in Devil's Deal and Rescue on Ryloth. Um, those are like the two main parts. Also in Rogue One, Star Wars, a story, uh, uh, Rogue One, a Star Wars story, I believe that's on Wobani when Jyn Erso is in the transport. Yes, that uh, sounds familiar. 
so yeah, that's just a you know very interesting piece of. I, I love the Star Wars vehicles, um, especially the starfighters. But I think that uh, ground vehicles in Star Wars sometimes gets overlooked, um, and I think that this is probably one of the cooler ones for sure. Very useful, um, and I hope we see more of it. Yeah, it's it's a cool thing. Um, I'm, I'm sure. You know, I remember Mike. We had this conversation about like the war of Star Wars, and I think yeah, Rogue One got close. You know. But I still, yeah, yeah. I'm still waiting for that like Lord of the Rings level, like hills with just waves <laughs> and waves of waves of people, with like like an end game style like armies charging at each other. Like at some point, you know. And I think this vehicle would fit there. I doubt it would fit in the Empire Rebellion War, but perhaps an Old Republic War. I think that could be some good imagery. It could be some good imagery, and though this this turbo tank is uh, only from the Galactic Empire, there's no reason why we couldn't see like an earlier version of it or something. Mm-hmm. Um, perhaps, perhaps that's what we did see, or maybe we saw a later version of it, uh, or a later model rather in the Mandalorian. So, who's to say there can't be a, a you know an earlier model? But I do like your idea of having a big Lord of the Rings style battle uh, at some point. I feel like Star Wars, that'd be pretty cool. Though we kind of got that in Attack of the Clones, right? Uh, sure, but... yeah, kind of. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. yeah, you're right. But um, Very good pick. Very, very good pick. Thanks, uh, man. Mine this week is Jar Jar Binks. Oh, yes. We all know and we all love him. <laughs> uh, he is a male Gungan at 1.96 meters tall, yellow eyes. He's got orange and white skin. Jar Jar Binks was a Gungan male military commander and politician who played a key role during the invasion of Naboo and the Clone Wars that culminated in the fall of the Galactic Republic and the rise of the Galactic Empire. Uh, Once an outcast from society due to his clumsy behavior, he regained favor with his people by helping secure an alliance between the Gungan boss Nass. I don't know his first name is Rugor. Um, Oh, I didn't know that. And Queen Padme Amidala of Naboo. I, uh, you know, Jar Jar Binks got a lot of hate when The Phantom Menace came out, but, you know, I liked him as a kid. I guess maybe that was just me being, like, three mm-hmm. when I saw The Phantom Menace. Uh, but, you know, he didn't he didn't annoy me as much as it did the adults. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, I had a Jar Jar Binks action figure. Did I tell you that story? No. I have a Jar Jar, or I had one, and then I remember... Because, you know, kids like doing shit like this. I I buried it in my backyard under the mm-hmm. swing set. And the swing set got taken down like 12 years ago. And new, like, dirt was put over this backyard. Numerous times when I was probably like 12, I was like, where is this thing still there? Never found it. Yeah. Never found it. Wow. So So he really, like, just was enveloped by the earth. Yeah, you know, some, deep... <laughs> some, some people feed the earth by planting trees. I gave them a nice chunk of petroleum plastic in the shape of there Jar Jar Binks. Oh, uh, uh, yeah, nice piece of orange plastic. Yeah. <laughs> um, I have to say, uh, speaking of the Jar Jar Binks action figures, actually, on the mantle in my apartment right now, uh, like above the fireplace that you can't use the fireplace for whatever reason, it's all house. But uh, I have... Jar Jar Binks, an action figure of Jar Jar Binks, and an action figure of Balatik from the Guavian Death Gang, I think, mm-hmm. right? 
and they're shaking hands. I, I kind of position them so that they're shaking hands. Uh, and to me, it's it's uh, it's sort of a symbol of this the prequels and the sequel trilogy coming to terms as you know part of the Star Wars canon. Uh, that's the way I think about it in my head. Uh, it's a pretty silly thing to have. There. <laughs> Mike, that is, that is beautiful. I think that will be the image of the treaty in another five years when people are like, you know what? Actually, the sequels are good. <laughs> no, legit. Yeah. yeah. Like, you know, it's, it, that's what I'm thinking. Like, you know, like, like, you know, everybody, everybody's coming together, accepting that the sequels are good in like, you know, a few years. That's, that's what, that's the image that I want to, that I want to bring out there. So, <laughs> well, thank you um, for paving the way. You want one thing I do want to say about Jar Jar Binks, though, yeah. uh, if you if you don't mind. Go for it. So, you know, everybody loves to forget that it may be Jar Jar Binks singular, re- like their singular one of the key reasons why the Republic turned to the Empire. We can trace back to Jar Jar Binks as representative for Naboo in the absence of Queen Amidala, in, or Padme Amidala in Episode Two. He gives emergency powers to the Chancellor, which really just sets off the domino effect. Mm-hmm. So Jar Jar Binks, you kind of messed up. Yeah. What? Well, I forget if this was Legends, but I believe that what like after that happened, he was like exiled again by like the Greater Republic remnants because they're like this guy. He's the he's the reason we got this. So like. Oh really? I, I think that's, that's pretty Legends. funny. I think that's Legends, but yeah, that is funny. Um, that's pretty funny. Well, anyway, <laughs> speaking of funny, let's get to some news. We have a new holiday special for Star Wars this year coming to Disney Plus, but it is not a Christmas slash holiday life day special. <laughs> the holiday we focus on this time is Halloween. So, uh, Mike, oh, yeah. as far as holidays go, I feel like the the popular one is either you're a Halloween person or a Christmas person. I don't know if that conflict comes from Tim Burton's The Nightmare Before Christmas, but <laughs> uh, which one do you have a, a favoring towards, if any? You know, uh, you know, I I truly, and and this is a controversial opinion. I don't really like Halloween. I think it's like I I understand why people do, and I respect it. Mm-hmm. Just to me, I don't I don't know. I just like I don't get as hyped about it as some other people do. Which, you know, is fine. It's a fun day to dress up and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say I'm more, of a, I'm more of a Christmas person. I definitely love Christmas. I think it's just a good, uh, you know, time of time of year where everybody should just be nice to each other and happy and stuff. And I like that vibe better than Halloween. Uh, though I am, you know, an October baby myself. So I do love the fall mm-hmm. and I love the spookiness of it. I just, you know, the message behind Christmas is more, more me. What about you? Yeah, I, I I do love Halloween. I love watching the cheesy horror movies. I yeah, I like picking up costumes. Uh, my girlfriend Kayla loves Halloween, so that's always fun. She gets very into it. Um, cool. But yeah, Christmas is has always been my favorite because it it lasts the whole month. It's got the good vibes. Um, it sucked being at college for four years because the campus never felt like Christmas, which is like understandable. It's a college campus, but like. At least in hometowns or like literally anywhere, uh, you get all the fun vibes. You see, you go into stores all the time, and it's it's there. But Star Wars, like wreaths and stuff, yeah. yeah. Star Wars has been able to, I guess, for a long time, have a tie to Christmas because of the original holiday special. Um, more recently, Disney positioned Star Wars, with the exception of Solo, 
to be the Christmas film, you know, how there's always one yes. in December, um, usually. But now this year, after we got our, our updated fun Lego holiday special last year, which I think we both had a fun time with, it wasn't super serious, right? Oh, definitely. I think it's sort of, it was a good, it was a good piece of, piece of media for the, for the time and everything. It was fun. Yeah. Uh, we got a new one this year, but it's for Halloween. It is coming October 1st to Disney Plus. It is called Lego Star Wars Terrifying Tales. I do have nice. a synopsis, Mike. I can read through this and then we can talk about hype. Please levels. do. Please do. After the events of Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker, Poe Dameron and BB-8 must take an emergency landing on the volcanic planet Mustafar, where they meet the greedy and conniving Grabala the Hutt. Love that name. Uh, Love it, yeah. The crime boss has purchased Darth Vader's castle and is renovating it into the galaxy's first <laughs> all-inclusive Sith-inspired luxury hotel. While waiting for his X-Wing <laughs> to be repaired, Poe, BB-8, Grabala, and Dean, a plucky and courageous young boy who works as Grabala's mechanic, venture deep into the mysterious castle with Lord Vader's, sorry, with Vader's loyal servant, Vani. Along the way, Vani shares three creepy stories linked to ancient artifacts and iconic villains from across all eras of Star Wars. As Venice spins his tales and lures our heroes deeper into the shadowy underbelly of the castle, a sinister plan emerges. With the help of Dean, Poe, and BB-8, will have to face their fears, stop an ancient evil from rising, and escape to make it back to their friends. That's a great. That's a great synopsis and a great like idea for uh, Star Wars like Halloween special. It yeah. doesn't take itself too seriously. It doesn't seem mm -hmm. like. And very much in the style of like Lego Star Wars, just from the synopsis. Oh, that's yeah. pretty. That's pretty cool, actually. Yeah, it, it seems like a very fun thing. You know, um, I never was one that got super into the Simpsons Halloween specials. I know people love those, right? Um, oh, Treehouse of Horror. I love yeah. those. Yeah, because I just didn't get into the Simpsons until like pretty recently, honestly, like the past few years. But yeah, um, I think Star Wars tackling stuff through lego like these holiday specials is fun because i always loved holiday specials of tv shows and getting a star wars flavor of it like you're saying it does fit the lego style very very well um and just the idea of a you know galaxy at peace no more threat of the sith they trivialize it they're like oh yeah the sith you can have have stay at a sith hotel it's like sure you know isn't that what happened I mean, with like the confederacy <laughs> in the south <laughs> i mean yeah I, I i don't know it seems like uh you know i i guess i guess even in the star wars universe people are always trying to find a way to make a buck uh yeah. and grab all when you're coming cash. out of a yeah when, i mean when you're coming out of a sith-led galactic empire maybe people are going to want to gonna want to see some of that past some of that history but mm -hmm. you know let's let's not glorify it though oh, exactly. all right let's make sure let's make sure that we're we're treating it in context yes. all right uh but it seems like it seems like a hotel may be glorifying it but besides the point <laughs> um uh this seems like a really cool little thing um i really love the idea uh i'm sure it's gonna be really funny the lego star wars anything always is uh it's just a certain type of humor i'm sure i don't have to explain it but uh it's it's really interesting the 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 structure of it um you know going down deep into the bowels of Darth Vader's castle learning about iconic villains from across Star Wars I'm just curious what do you think 
what would you like to see them sort of like cover? Do you, when, when, and when they say all eras of Star Wars, do you think that means that they're only going to be doing things that have been released already? Or do you think they might like try to go back a little bit into like the higher public and stuff? So I think because the Lego Star Wars holiday special last year took place after Rise of Skywalker, but wasn't canon. I think that's going to be following this as well. Honestly, it would be interesting if it takes place in the same timeline as the holiday special from last year. Um, <laughs> so, like, maybe we see, like, a more progressed Jedi Finn. That'd be fun. Um, yeah. But specifically to answer your question, I think I think we'll get, like, a, a Revan thing. I think we'll probably be like, oh, this is an artifact of Darth Revan. Um it would be very cool if we got something from the Nile just to see, like, you know, addressing that thing. I know they're not really Sith, but, um, yeah, it, it's cool. I think this is an interesting concept of some character in Star Wars later down the line basically being a fanboy of the Sith and obsessing over them. That's what, like, the pitch of Kylo Ren was. But seeing that maybe more yeah. fleshed out and realized here will be fun because I feel like that was a an aspect of Kylo Ren that I was always like, I could see it, but it's because I was like reading between lines of things. Like the initial pitch was like, oh, this guy who's a fanatic about all things Sith. And it's like, well, he never really like showed that. Like he he was very much wanted to be his, his grandfather, but that was about it. So what about you? Yeah, I, I think, um, I think it'd be really cool if they did something with like the old Republic. Mm -hmm. Um, I think you make a good point when you talk about the holidays, the Lego Star Wars holiday special that was released last year and how that wasn't canon, sort of like, you know, plucked from different areas of Star Wars. Um, I do know just like from sort of being like a Lego Star Wars fan that there was like a Darth Revan minifigure that was released like only on its own, I think. Mm. So, you know, that exists. Um, <laughs> So, I mean, I guess, like, what I think about when I read the synopsis to this, um, it makes me think of, like, the Darth Vader comics. Uh, are we going to sure, see, like, yeah. maybe... Are we going to see the mask that Darth Vader used, the Sith mask that Darth Vader used to, like, build his castle, like, nine times? Um, that could be part of it. Uh, also, I'm just thinking about, you know, I wonder how much crossover there's going to be between, you know, this and, like, Vader Immortal. I wonder if there's going to be, you know, some sort of uh a, a homage to vader immortal in some way um i haven't played that myself i just know it takes place on mustafar with darth vader's castle um i think there are just a lot of cool and different ways that they can go about you know telling interesting star wars stories uh in a fun way in this special and i'm kind of really looking forward to it because I, I love this the holiday one it was pretty fun yeah, and the idea of just seeing this, I'm imagining older servant of Vader, like Dracula-inspired old man in a like very uppity, deep, slow voice telling these stories mm -hmm. about Darth Vader's relics and stuff like that, and then Poe's like freaking out. Like, it it's gonna be perfect, you know. If it, it's such a fun idea, and I'm excited to watch it for sure. I wonder if they'll have. Uh the same voice actors i forget what they did for the lego yeah i I, I imagine it'll be the same cast as the lego ones for the regulars of the main uh saga but um uh, the last thing there is a poster out here there's no trailer yet but the poster i think sets the tone of everything you need to know it's a gravestone with the empire sigil on it and vader's hand is shooting out of the ground 
from the gravestone and he's holding his red lightsaber and it looks it looks like cheesy fun so excited to watch it for sure i'm i'm super excited you know what else i'm excited to watch mike uh i can i can almost guess but why don't you just tell me season three of the mandalorian me too (laughs) so to catch people up there's rumors right there were rumors that it was going to start shooting this fall there's rumors that the show might be coming out early next year for season three and Mm -hmm. that's unsubstantiated i think that was all based off a del rey comic book synopsis of like oh catch season three spring or something like that i think we had we had brought that up previously right so that's yeah where everybody's headspace has been lately for season three of the mandalorian nothing official but because Giancarlo Esposito was talking up season three at GalaxyCon Raleigh recently, uh, we have a, maybe a, a bit, a bit brighter, a bit more clear picture of what to expect for season three. Um, he had a few things to say about season three, specifically at the panel he was at, saying that quote they just finished Boba Fett and soon they will start on season three. Uh, he confirmed Moff Gideon will be in season three, and specifically in regard to the whole scheduling conflict conflict with Pedro Pascal that you and I have talked about a lot, because currently he's filming The Last of Us until I think June or July next year. Uh, Giancarlo had to say, "quote We never have to wait on Pedro. I can't speak to him appearing unmasked more in season three. I mean, I know he'd love to be more off the helmet, but you know his job to." his job is to be in the helmet you know what i mean that's the idea so interesting stuff mike you and i talked about this reality being true of unfortunately we already have had a lot of not pedro pascal under the helmet on set so if spring 2022 is truly when we're supposed to get season three of this show that's probably what's going to happen and maybe they get pedro for a day to do his unmasked scenes but what do you think of this? I so I, I feel I have like mixed emotions about this. Mm-hmm. Um, in one way, I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. It's what we've been talking about, like you mentioned. Um, it's sort of just like from a logistical standpoint, makes sense that they wouldn't have to have Pedro Pascal. But you know, I'm also sort of upset because the way that we left off in the Mandalorian season two, and let me know if you agree with me or not. It sort of felt like man, like Din Djarin, the Mandalorian, as a character by that point, seemed like he was getting more comfortable with like shedding off the dogma of like being a foundling and like the Mandalorian, and like being more comfortable with taking off of his hel- off his helmet and showing his face. So the fact that like it doesn't seem as though they're going to like really do anything more with that, um, just just because John Carlo Esposito saying like we never have to wait on Pedro. And that, like, his job is to be in the helmet. It's like, yeah, but, like, is it, though? The way that the story has been told and the way that we've been sort of learning about the character, we've been seeing that development. We've been seeing him sort of, like, brushing off that, like, you know, that that sort of, like, history with, with the Mandalorians and everything and sort of, like, coming into his own character and, like, making his own decisions and having his own sort of, like, personal characteristics that, like, it is sort of it's sort of hard to hear that they're not going to be doing or that it seems like they're not going to be doing more with that. I guess we don't know for sure, but yeah, 
Giancarlo Esposito's like his words sort of, you know, they, they, they lean towards that for sure. Yeah, I think you're right where I was thinking the same thing at the end of season two, but I do mm-hmm. think there's a world where they could lean into, and we've discussed this before, but like the idea of he doesn't really know what to do with himself, so he just buries himself in work, you know? Oh, like he doubles down, basically? Maybe, Yeah, maybe not doubling down, but just like I'm always working, I'm always hunting, Bo-Katan is trying to kill me all the time, like I gotta be guard up always. Um, and I think there's honestly something you could do to make him sort of a tragic character at that point where just to crush the hearts of audiences more which i know television writers love to do um <laughs> he opened up finally to grogu and then gave him away right and now maybe we pick up season three immediately at the beginning of where we left off and as soon as luke skywalker leaves bo katan maybe lunges for him or something you know and like he's like that mm-hmm. thing's mine and <laughs> I don't think she'd kill him immediately, right? Or anything like that. But an attempt on his life, he lowered his guard and look what happened. And maybe that could lead to something, maybe even just a path that leads to his demise because he's just so distraught. But I think there's absolutely interesting ways to develop Din Djarin in a season three beyond that character moment. And if it's not handled well, it could just feel like regressing as a character arc. But I think specifically with him and his views and his history there's an interesting way to sort of shift it i guess so like it's more of like i'm doing this for me not for anything else i guess yeah i think that that's a really interesting point christian that i hadn't considered before i guess like you you use the term like tragic character that sort of stuck with me it would be like i guess it really would be in his character if like you know something you know season three opens with him being like super distraught or like you said like he has his guard down and that was a mistake and he almost like reaps the the dire consequences of that like it would be really interesting for him to sort of just like not know what to do with himself just go deeper into like you know keeping the helmet on just like doing everything that he did before and just like trying to push it out of his brain yeah that that would be that that could be really interesting and i didn't really consider it so thank you for opening my eyes sure yeah and remember this too like he went his whole life being a bounty hunter kind of ruthless not really having a personality i guess like he he's kind of just this cold bounty hunter that does have humanity within him but that was only brought out by his relationship with this child who he was with for maybe a year maybe less right yeah. I, I think you could reasonably make it so he fell back to the only thing he knew because like something bad came from being vulnerable. I think there's an interesting way to explore the character that way. And on our side, it's going to be like, this is the direction, this is the character arc we're getting because Pedro was busy. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it could, it, that could still be interesting. You know, when life gives you lemons, I think is what I'm looking at right now. Yeah, I guess like the more that I think about it, the more like it does seem as though there are like two very distinct paths they can go with this. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately it seems as though the the path that they choose is highly dependent on like the availability of their main actor. Yeah. <laughs> like, which is like, you know, that's just life. Um, and Pedro Pascal, like we've talked about before, has this commitment with HBO to film the last of us. And that reportedly is taking precedent over anything else that he's doing, including the Mandalorian. 
But as we've also mentioned, it's very possible to make the Mandalorian without him on set all the time. Yeah. Like all you need is just a few days really. And, and some time in the, the voice booth, um, yeah. which like, you know, I don't know much about production, but it doesn't seem as though that that's as intensive as being on set every single day. So, yeah. Cause think about seasons one and two of Mandalorian, right? Uh, Pedro Pascal was on set. I think there's quotes from his surrounding cast in season one that were like, yeah, Pedro was like barely ever here. Um, and he had the one scene in the bar and probably a couple mm-hmm. others where he was present. But like with season two, I I think there were reports that he was under the, the helmet a bit more often than season one. And he did have that one scene or the two scenes, I guess, in the two episodes of helmet off. But like, Again, that was probably like maybe a couple days. I think they can probably spread that out across an entire shooting schedule for when it fits him to shoot what they have to do with him. Like truly, if you think about it, like the scene at the very end of season two, like when he takes off his helmet, like that was a day. He's a good actor. Yeah, yeah, he's a good actor. That only takes like a day. (laughs) So, I mean. That's just the way that it's always been. They do a really good job hiding it. I remember when we were watching season one and that came out where, where the news came out that it was mostly like a stunt double underneath the, the costume for most of the time. Mm-hmm. And we were surprised. I remember that. Um, but, you know, like I said, they do a good job hiding it and you don't really need him to tell a good story. Um, so whatever they do, I'm sure that they'll do it right because this is John Favreau's baby. Mm-hmm. So do you think then the rumors are to be believed and we'll get season three early 2022 no no uh i think no i think i think um that's a little bit too optimistic we haven't really heard anything about them filming season three yet um you know it's august so i feel like that would it it would take just a tad bit more time for them to to really like nail things together because if we're talking about spring 2022 what are we really talking about like april may yeah. And so it's already August. They haven't even filmed it yet. It seems a little, it seems a little tight to me. I'm thinking like maybe a year from now. Sure, like September maybe. Yeah, or like you know they could they could do like a. I I don't know when it would be the perfect time to do it. I feel like it would likely be better to do it in the fall than the summer. But I could see them getting it done for the summer if that's when they wanted to release it. I just don't think they will. Yeah, because they're also going to have a bunch of Marvel shows next year as well um i think andor is still supposed to be next year i forget if kenobi's 2022 but yeah it is okay well yeah we we got a lot then so yeah yeah interesting stuff we'll see when this hits i could maybe see again because it depends on the scope of what mandalorian's doing but i they they made season two relatively quickly compared to season one i know they were shooting season two when season one was like premiering but yeah i yeah I, i'm eager to see what happens for season three i kind of expect that we'll get more information about season three when they start marketing for the book of boba fett sure um i i see i see a scenario in which they start to market for that and like at the same time they they quietly say like oh yeah the christmas thing that's not happening yeah. like you know <laughs> like it's 
I think that that's what might happen, but we'll have to see. The episode of the Book of Boba Fett that features Din Djarin does happen on Christmas, but season three, <laughs> we never said season three. We just said like, oh yeah, look at this Din Djarin story coming out of Christmas. You know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I guess we'll see. Hopefully we get it earlier. You never know. Yeah. But... I, yeah. I, I think hope for the best because um, we still got two other shows in Star Wars to get out next year. Who knows if we're getting a second season of Bad Batch next year. I don't know, but we'll wait and see. You know, that's all I can do. Definitely. For now, though, there's some interesting merch we can get our hands on if we want to spend cool. some money in Star Wars. First up, there's a R2-D2 Tamagotchi you can pre-order on Amazon right now. Uh, it is arriving November 11th. Uh, it is the standard Tamagotchi look. It's a little handheld egg with a very basic screen that has a few inputs for you to train, clean, and take care of a virtual pet. In this case, R2-D2. Uh, it comes in two SKUs. as a blue holographic tra uh, translucent see-through one and then a white solid R2-D2 looking Tamagotchi egg. Mike, what do you think of these? These are pretty cool. Uh... I don't know, Christian, were you ever into Tamagotchis? Because back in like my like primary school, like third, fourth grade, I was into Tamagotchis, man. I was keeping that thing alive. Ooh. No, I, I never got into Tamagotchi, but same company, because it's Bandai Namco that does these. Um, they also do Digimon, and there was like the little Digimon pets. I had one, and I did not understand how any of it worked, and it probably died, but... I, I always thought it was cool. I was never a Digimon kid. I always thought it was cool, though, and I wanted to be a Digimon kid. But, um, no, I never really got super into these. But I wanted to be a Digimon kid, which just wasn't cool enough. I see. That was it. No, I was never into Digimon myself. Uh, I didn't really understand it either. I, I, but uh, not for lack of trying. Well, for lack of trying, really. I, I just didn't. <laughs> I wasn't really into it. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I really was into Tamagotchis. They're really fun. Mm -hmm. um, as at, at least I can remember that they're really fun. Um, you really have to like take care of it. Uh, like it, it like poops and stuff and you have to like clean up its poop and like you have to feed it like every X amount of hours and like it could die. <laughs> so like I would take care of R2-D2 really well because I don't want him to die. Um, I wonder though... Uh, normally when you do Tamagotchis, they're like a, like a weird, like alien looking animal. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, I wonder, I, and like you feed it like real food and stuff. I wonder for the R2D2, if you're going to have to like do like droid maintenance on it, like, <laughs> you know, like mm -hmm. in a different way, uh, than like the normal Tamagotchis. Another thing I remember about Tamagotchi is that there are like some really cool, like button inputs that you can do that, like give your tamagotchi like exclusive stuff and like rare stuff and like like codes that you can put in on like the three buttons that like i don't know it's just a lot of fun uh <laughs> and i don't know if i'm gonna get one because they're a bit you know they're not really made for 24 year olds like me but um yeah it's just it's just cool that they're doing this yeah i think it's neat you know um as far it's like a a nice fun little nostalgic gift you know, I feel like this would go well in a, a Christmas stocking. This is coming out around the holidays as well. So, um, yeah, I was never into Tamagotchi, like I said, but I do think this is a very neat looking, fun thing to have as a Star Wars fan. I love R2, so like, 
I won't say that I will buy one of these things, but I wouldn't not buy mm-hmm. one, you know, <laughs> like, yeah. So let's say, let's say if you, if you got it in your stocking, Christian, mm-hmm. you would, you would play with, you would play with it until it died. Yeah. <laughs> and I wonder, I wonder, um, cause I, I know certain licenses are weird with crossovers and partnerships. Like, um, there was that mortal Kombat versus DC fighting game. In like the 360 generation and i remember warner brothers was like it can only be t batman can't get decapitated like that was a very hard role they had so i wonder if because disney um lucasfilm probably has some rules for the way that their characters are interpreted i wonder if you know how tamagotchi can die will r2 die mm-hmm. or will it be like sorry you abandoned him and then he fell asleep in the resistance base. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's in a he's in a droid coma now. Good yeah. job. Mm-hmm. So it just uh, that would be that. funny. Yeah, that would be very funny. I, I want to see what happens if R2 bites it on this Tamagotchi. <laughs> Dude, I might have to I might have to pre-order this thing, actually. No. <laughs> uh, there's a few other notable pieces of merch this week that made some headlines first up is if you're looking to drop way more than 20 bucks on some star wars merch we have a new hot toy for luke skywalker from the mandalorian this is quite impressive of course he's luke skywalker from the mandalorian slash from episode six but he comes with a little grogu a um a wide array of accessories to make him appear the way he does when he's slaying the droids at the end of season two um very highly detailed hot toys always impresses mike oh yeah i i know you've collected the black series have you have you considered any hot toys before oh yeah i mean like i i would love to have star wars hot toys they are just so expensive um they're like i, I don't know how much the luke skywalker one's gonna go for but it's probably like 200 maybe i don't know yeah maybe more uh yeah maybe more they are like top tier uh replicas basically Mm. and they look amazing all of them do um but it's just like you know i I just don't have that kind of money man i wish yeah i'm wondering i'm I'm wondering though does it come with r2d2 or like is that separate because the the photo that you have here in the dock has r2 yeah, I'm not 100% sure. I can uh, see if I can find anything on that, but if it came with R2 as well, I think that would probably either boost the price up or make it worth it, you know, <laughs> like, depending on who you ask. Yeah, or both. Yeah. <laughs> um, it is. It does look really cool, though. Uh, the Hot Toys always impress. Um, I just I wish I had un- unlimited funds for it. Mm-hmm. Well, something that might be up yours and i alley a bit more in terms of the price is a new star wars cookbook called star wars Ooh. the life day cookbook we we're talking about our love for christmas and the holidays mike and this is a holiday themed holiday recipe cookbook from a galaxy far far away so, very cool mm-hmm. um the, do you know do you have any uh examples of, of stuff that's going to be in this cookbook so StarWars.com gave a few excerpts and a few recipes. Um, one of them was Bantha Surprise, which I believe is a stew, like a beef stew. Oh, um, okay. There's a blue Bantha hot chocolate. 
which looked interesting, and one that I think is a highlight that I would like to try is Mudhorn Eggnog. Ooh. So. Is I, that, how is that different from, from regular eggnog? Do you know? Probably just the title of the recipe. <laughs> 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 um, I, I can pull up the exact recipe to see what it is, but um, yeah. I honestly, I like making holiday stuff, uh, cooking. I love cooking, so... I'm a fan of novelty cookbooks, especially for stuff I care about. I have yet to collect any, but the Star Wars one is a little appealing to me, Mike. I, I might I might have to check this one out. I, it looks pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd love to have a steaming hot bowl of Bantha Surprise mm-hmm. um, for, for, you know, Christmas, for Life Day, excuse me. Um, I also like cooking, and I think I, I like baking too especially around the holidays it's fun to like make cookies and stuff mm-hmm. um i am looking just at the cover of the life day cookbook and it seems as though that there is a wookie gingerbread pan yeah <laughs> uh, <laughs> which looks really fun uh and just like i don't know i'm sure that they're really tasty recipes i i would i would buy this and try it try some of them I think I would too. So I have the recipe for the mudhorn eggnog. I don't know a eggnog recipe off the top of my head, but this go with me here. Let's see what this is. Yes. Two cups of whole milk, one cup of half and half, one and a half teaspoons of vanilla extract, a cinnamon stick, half a teaspoon of salt, four large egg yolks, a third cup granulated sugar, four large egg whites, one tablespoon confectioner's sugar, half a teaspoon of ground nutmeg and a quarter teaspoon of ground cinnamon this sounds like eggnog <laughs> yeah i was gonna say that that sounds like all the ingredients to eggnog <laughs> i will say there's like a nice little frothy top on this one so maybe you make a nice little like uh whipped cream or something for the top of it but yeah mm. i uh i'd love to be snacking on some star wars themed holiday treats this year especially when i'm watching book of boba fett with dinjar on christmas <laughs> you know literally literally i want to be listen i, I want to be dipping my uh wookie gingerbread cookies into mudhorn eggnog <laughs> exactly <laughs> on christmas day so that's mm-hmm. that's what i want so uh you can check that out if you're interested it is currently i believe available for pre-order on amazon for 23 bucks so not too bad uh, this might be a pickup for me, but that is really if you it. if you if you pick it if you pick it up, Christian, you gotta you gotta come back with some reviews oh, on some sure. of the recipes. Absolutely, for sure, I will. Uh, but that does it for this week in Star Wars news. So we have come to the discussion of the latest episode of the Bad Batch. This is episode fourteen, I believe. I uh, got two more left after this week. It is called War Mantle. Exciting, mm-hmm. exciting title. I think the tone was set for this one. I think when I saw the title, but Achoo. bless you. Excuse me. Bless Excuse me. me. Uh, just brimming with excitement to talk about this episode of Bad Batch, Mike. I'm sure. Uh, yeah. I mean, honestly, like we were talking last week about how we really needed something to sort of like. Something to end the season on a high note with, right? And I think that this episode is starting to, like, set something up. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's, like, 
that kind of makes me happy. I don't know if you agree with me on that, but like, you know, we've talked about the previous weeks that the Bad Batch is a little underwhelming in terms of, uh, you know, the stories that they're telling. Um, and I think this one, this one turned it around. Yeah, I think the Bad Batch, uh, this episode, I agree. It's setting up an interesting conclusion for season one, um, mainly with like Hunter and the potential for a crosshair confrontation and all that. But um, I think I don't fault it for this, but I do think it is just basically another episode of Bad Batch. But this time the set dressing and the fill in the blank elements of the structure of a Bad Batch episode are just more interesting and are tied to the initial conflict introduced in the season so like it's a solid structure right yeah it's a structure that works it's a structure that mandalorian used as well and i think it just depends on what you slot in to again those okay fill in this word who's the person we're helping what's their problem uh right like that is the basis of almost every episode of this show and sometimes it's just like, oh, the unique, fun, cool thing this week is the person we're helping is Hera. The unique, cool, fun thing is that there's a flood invasion. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but this week it is stuff that I think is, like I said, tied to that initial arc of the stuff with the Kaminoans, the struggle of the Bad Batch as a team the conflict of the clones and the empire and again paving the way to a confrontation this feels like the beginning of a three arc episode which it is does it, it does and i think you make a really good point that this episode sort of like starts off the same way as like many of the other bad batch episodes that we've watched in the season have started and concluded but the difference is this concludes in a very different way mm-hmm. um like, you know, it, like you said, it's the formula of we got to go save this person, like, <laughs> or we have to go, like, do this mission. Uh, Ome- like, you know, Hunter doesn't want to, but, like, Omega appeals to his morality and, like, they go and they, and they do it. Like, it's very it's very by the numbers until the end. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I think it's sort of just, like, bringing in the, the watcher, bringing in the viewer with something familiar and then sort of, like, building upon that and calling back to earlier episodes because i do think that while it is sort of like that formulaic we gotta go rescue gregor right uh and like you know hunter doesn't want to but omega like convinces him otherwise it's very that's very much what we've seen uh but just the whole the whole ending and and the subplot like the b plot of the kaminoans sort of like deciding to leave uh, Camino because they're afraid of like the Empire basically stabbing them in the back. Um, and so it sort of calls back to the beginning of the season, which I think is good because I was getting a little bit bored with just the over and over, like what's the job of the week this week, which is fine. But yeah, I definitely think that it's starting to set up something and that we're going to get, we're going to get some sort of payoff in the next two episodes. Yeah. Which I think is exactly what we wanted. And I'm very glad we got that. And I think Maybe it's because I'm just excited for the promise, but I do think this is one of the stronger episodes since the early season, right? Like, um, yeah. Obviously, I loved seeing Hera and her whole thing on Ryloth, but like, getting more of a focus on 
that unique perspective that the bad batch can bring of like boots on the ground what's it like watching this transition from galactic republic to empire it's it's bringing up more of those ideas again that i feel like that kind of faded away just as spotlight the other characters we already know and their thoughts right where mm-hmm. the whole conflict of the bad batch the defect aspect that they get thrown at them versus the regs and now this whole thing with the inhibitor chips sort of decaying <laughs> and where are people's allegiance is going to lie when it comes to the clones like if they have a choice now what are they doing i think all that stuff is interesting and it's getting to you know paint the picture of what's to come with the empire we're familiar with and all that stuff is very interesting i think that's what you and i gravitated to and a lot of star wars fans did in the early episodes where it's like yeah the bad batch has the ability to kind of make their own choice for the most part of how they're going to react to what's happening and then that quickly gets swept away but now it's kind of back because more and more clones are able to sort of have that choice so it's interesting it is interesting um and we started to see that like in the past episodes of like oh well, like are the clones really are like like how how strong is the inhibitor chip in these clones like you know some of them started to make their own decisions um, in previous episodes and this episode starts with seemingly like a clone running away i don't even it's not really explained but that's what it seems to be um or was that gregor i can't uh, i think really it was gregor tell. i think it was gregor okay so so yeah there you go um there's there's that right there um Wow, completely missed that, but yeah. I think it was, uh, but... Yeah, no, that would make sense. I'm just stupid. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, it's interesting to like sort of get more developments on the plot that they sort of just set up in the past like few episodes, and I have to agree with you that like this is definitely one of the better ones from the beginning of the season. Uh, you know, when the Bad Batch go and save Gregor, and they, um, you know... In, they get into the imperial facility and they realize that the stormtroopers are no longer clones but they're recruits right that's that's like cool stuff that like we was set up in in the beginning of the season but just never touched on again and that's what we're getting now um so i'm really excited for that um i'm really excited for them to just answer that question of just like where did like why why didn't the empire use clones um and yeah it's just i don't know i just like i I'm happy that this was that this was the way that it is because I was getting pretty bored with it to be honest. No, I was too, for sure. Like for the most part, the past few weeks, I didn't even watch the episodes the day they came out. I watched them like on Sunday. Me either. Like Yeah. So that's never a great sign. Like I think there were a couple instances with The Mandalorian where I was like, I'm not gonna watch it on Friday, I'll watch it like Saturday night or something. Um mm-hmm. But that was only a couple times. Um, And I don't think it's great if the main source of Star Wars feels like it's like, I can watch this whenever. But I I do think that the benefit of what's been going on uh, with The Bad Batch as a a show, it makes that easy. Because honestly, I think even for a super casual fan who like maybe watched the first episode and got a few in and we're like i don't care about this anymore 
Yeah. I think they could probably hop in with just this episode and like be fine. <laughs> I think they could skip everything yeah. else we got. Um which isn't to you say that what we got watch... was bad, right? Or I didn't enjoy it, but yeah. Yeah, you could literally watch like the first three episodes and then like maybe the one where like they escape from the editor and then this one and that's it. Like, uh, and you'd pretty much get what what's happening uh, pretty fully. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm just curious about what you think about how this episode kind of ended off, uh, like the, the, the story points where it ended off and where you think they're going to go next in like the next two episodes, because there are only two more episodes left in the season. This one ended with a pretty big cliffhanger and uh, there's still some loose ends to tie up. Yeah, I think I think next week we'll get I don't know if this is going to be next week or the week after because I think it depends on what the resolution of this is but obviously I think we're going to get full circle on the conflict between Hunter and Crosshair from that first episode I don't know if that's going to be the focus of next episode or the season finale um do you have a feeling one way or the other of like how important that conflict is going to be like does something else get to be the main focus of episode 16 or is is this the focus of the final episode do you think so here's what i think i think uh this is definitely the beginning of a three episode arc Mm -hmm. it only makes sense um i think the next episode is really going to be dedicated towards like maybe the bad batch is trying to find like where hunter was brought because at the end of this episode excuse me he was captured um, by the empire so i think that they're going to have to spend some time figuring out where he went and i think during that time we're going to get some more development on episode 14's b plot which is like you know the cam and and everything i would say that like this next episode is probably going to be a mix between like you know the bad batch figuring out where hunter is uh like the issue with the Kaminoans versus the empire and also um you know just like maybe some small interactions between hunter and crosshair with the episode after that being like a full-on rescue thing um and a confrontation between hunter and crosshair i think that that's that's the way that i've sort of theorized it going in my head I think I think that makes sense. I could maybe see a world where it doesn't feel like this is what they've been setting up with all these cameos, but I could see maybe a world where the final episode deals with saving Hunter and sort of acting as the first major initiative of the rebellion, maybe. Like, I could see them... sort of work on that but i don't know if this is the place for that sort of thing like i i've since the early episodes i've been wondering if we would get a bad batch leading some clones who defect from the empire in like a sort of other rebellion of like the clones versus the stormtroopers it doesn't seem like that's what they're doing that was like again a very early season thought i had but some reworking of that i think could maybe logistically be like hey uh we have to save our guy also hey someone like saw Gerrera, you want to stick it to the empire and officially yeah claim 
that there's a rebellion like i don't i could maybe see them tell that kind of story i don't know if that would be what we would tell in the bad batch but i i have a feeling lucasfilm wants to show the beginning of the rebellion in some way in the new canon not star killer and leia at a table being like this is my family crust let's use it (laughs) (laughs) yeah legit legit yeah uh yeah i mean i think that that's the that's the that's the broader goal yeah of this uh, or just of like you know the new canon and everything mm-hmm. when they when they're exploring this time period uh do i think that that's the goal for this season of the bad batch i don't know yeah. i don't know if that if that's really something that they're going to be like i just have a hard time mm-hmm. thinking that that's the route that they're going to want to go yeah like um, i i think if there was a more focus on the specific relationship between the bad batch and the people they've been helping similar to like mandalorian how that works of like hey yeah we meet all these fun characters and then they come to help us in our time of need if it felt more like hey there's a strong connection between this team and like hera not just like hey we're co-workers for this mission you know um yeah i i think i would believe what i'm saying more i think if we got what i'm saying it would kind of feel kind of sudden and without fanfare but maybe that's what they want it to be but i don't, I don't know I don't know. I think what's more, I think to me, what I think is more likely, and obviously we have no idea, but um, but we have some idea, but, you know, we don't know for sure. Um, I think it's more likely that they, you know, Hunter gets taken to like Camino or something and the Bad Batch like has to go back and like, you know, there was a whole thing with like Hunter telling Omega that she'll never have to go back to Camino. Yeah. Um, But maybe, maybe she does, right? Um, And I do think that if anything makes sense, it would be like the Bad Batch go to Camino or something and manage to convince like a bunch of clone troopers that what they're doing is wrong. Mm-hmm. Similar to like what we were seeing previous in the season with some clone troopers turning coat. Um, I think that, that that may be likely that they, like what you said previously, like lead a rebellious group of former clone troopers like against the empire um and that to me seems like a more likely thing and and i think that they're probably going to talk a little bit more about like why the empire is using just like regular recruits instead of clones uh but to me it does seem like if they were to go to like the origins of the rebellion route for at least the next two episodes it would seem a bit sudden yeah though i don't doubt that that's what they want to do overall Mm mm-hmm yeah i I think if it's the way that you're saying right now that's what i envisioned it was gonna like the main point of this show is gonna be early in the season but i feel like we just got so far away from the clone story arc that outside of like the individual clones out in the world um that i didn't see it happening i prefer when the bad batch is more focused on the actual team and is more personal than like hey joyride through your favorite list of characters uh yeah so i would way prefer it to be what you're saying about just like a maybe this story never gets out to the world maybe saw Guerrero never hears of this but like yeah a sort of act of rebellion like symbolically sort of just showing where we're going later on through the clones and the bad batch and honestly if that happens most of that the group of clones they're leading will die right but like yeah i think that would be a really good way to wrap up this the season and 
I think it's realistic to see that across two episodes. Yeah, I think so. And, you know, who's to say that, like, the end of the season doesn't end with, like, the Bad Batch are all together again. Maybe Crosshair is two plus or minus. I have no idea. Right? And they're like, well, like, obviously there is some fervor for going against the Empire, so we should, like, maybe hook up with some other people who don't like the Empire. And they're like, oh, let's go see what Rex is doing. And they leave you on a cliffhanger. Mm -hmm. And the next season is them sort of, like, hanging out with, like, the origins of the Rebellion and, like, helping them out and stuff. I think that might be possible. I just don't think that, like, I I think it's more likely that we get more development on, like, you know, what's going on with the clones in this very tumultuous time in the galaxy. Yeah, and that's the most interesting thing, I think, that the show has going for it. So I do hope that's remaining the focus. But yeah, we'll wait and see. We will wait and see. Do you have any final thoughts on this episode or predictions for the next one or next two? Um, I hope it's good. <laughs> Me too. That's what I have to say. <laughs> I do. Well, uh, that does it, I think, for this episode of Jedi Knights. Mike, it's a pleasure as always. Where can everybody find you? You can follow me on Twitter at Mike P. Connors. Very nice. You can follow me on Twitter, Twitch, and TikTok at Shun2D2, as well as here youtube.com slash joyclicks for the video version of jedi knights in the jedi knights playlist you can find it on the channel next to the playlists for all of our other shows like excelsior our marvel show games cast long play club whatever else you're looking for you can find it there if you want the audio version of the show however you can check it out on your service of choice like apple Podcasts or spotify if you can rate and review on your platform it would be appreciated if you did because it helps us out takes a quick second and just helps the show just liking and all that, just it does help the show. So if you want to yes, help out further, patreon.com slash joyclicks at the one and five dollar tiers. Five dollar tier will give you producer credit on this show and every show like Aaron Easton and Charles Applin. So thank you very much. And that is gonna do it for episode ninety-two of Jedi Knights. We'll be back next week with a mic in the pilot seat with another episode of Bad Batch under the belt. But until then, uh we're fine, everything's fine. How are you? May the force be with you. Oh, yes, 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 you're right. Beep is up.